Welcome to the Old Gamers Almanac. I am Hunter Donaldson. I am joined today by... Amy Carbone. Yeah, and we are going to talk about Spider-Man 2. I didn't play Spider-Man. You didn't play Spider-Man? No, I played Avatar. You, I didn't. definitely did not tell you to play Avatar Mist of whatever. I played through the whole thing. Like, it, I mean, don't get me wrong, it doesn't come out for another four days, but <laughs> I played through the whole thing. Wait, wait, you got early access to the new yeah, Avatar got- video game? The the real OGs, the real uh, Pandora heads, as we like to call ourselves, the ba- the Banshee fans. I can't think of any other things from Pandora, <laughs> from the Avatar. Oh wait, so this, so you're talking James Cameron's Avatar, not yeah. Avatar I'm not talking Last Airbender. Oh, okay. I don't give a shit about the last Miss of Pandora. You think that's Last Airbender? Baby? I don't, you're dude. A, I don't you know. Need to, you need to watch these films. <laughs> you need to culture yourself. I actually have what I did watch Avatar two and the original Avatar. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> So wait, so is this uh, is this for gamer score? Tell me if it's for gamer score. You gotta tell me. No, it's not even out yet. I haven't played. I haven't touched shit. Um, so if it's long and boring, I don't want to play it. Oh hell yeah! But you played Spider Man. I did play all of Spider Man. You played Spider Man. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I ninety nine percented it because I got stuck on two of the Mysterio challenges, and then I didn't want to play him again. You ninety nine percented this game. How long did that take you? Yeah. Oh, like probably like thirty five hours. Oh okay. That I guess it's not that long then, huh? No, I mean, don't get me wrong; it's a good game, but like, I'm a big Insomniac person. Um, like, I was, I was big from like the Ratchet and Clanks and everything. Yeah. Like the main reason I got a PS5 was for Miles Morales, just straight up. Oh shit! Just like I knew that that was coming, and like uh, a couple Christmases ago, three Christmases ago, uh, Amanda's mom was like, "Hey, I got a, a PS5 for Super or for like right when Walmart restocked at midnight. Do you guys want it?" And I was like, "Yeah, this game is coming out. I want." Yeah. to play this um especially because it's a christmas video game like miles I morales love I don't know christmas if you remember. games there need to be yeah, more christmas I like, games like miles morales does it um batman arkham city is a christmas yep. game no it's um, arkham, think, arkham origins is a christmas game i think they both are oh shit really they, i think well they both take place during winter that's true yeah but i know that there is christmas tree stuff in like arkham city but like uh i think origins is like a christmas eve i think yeah you, i think you might or, be right origins there, yeah. like the joker literally dresses up like santa claus so it's like right. hella christmasy but like i'm i'm a sucker for anything that has like here's like this shit happening at christmas like i i get stoked for that um so i loved miles morales and i was uh really psyched for spider-man 2 um except for one thing and that one thing is i don't give a shit about venom yeah venom is kind of like, a lame character really at the end of the day yeah i mean also how many times have we gotten this story in media at this point this is like what like we had spider-man 3 we had friggin uh all the animated series have covered it at some right, point right and there's like uh, and i was really excited for craven to be perfectly me too. honest me like, too like i i really like craven i was like depending on how they handle it it could be like either a build-up to this like cool badass or like just this regular dude who thinks he can take Spider-Man and then get his ass beat immediately. Like I was curious <laughs> which way they were going to do it. And then they went with the cool badass way. Um, so I was excited for Craven. I was excited. Have you, I don't, do you read a lot of comics Hunter? I do. Uh, well, I mean, I only read like 
the important stuff. So a long time ago, I read Craven's Last Hunt. So I am. Okay, familiar that's with exactly that story. what I was going to yeah. ask about. I, I like that story. It's great. Yeah, I was excited for that. Um, I was, uh, and clearly, like they were following. I kind of wish they had pulled a little bit more from that. Like I would have liked yep. if like Vermin had been involved. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with like all the sewer stuff. Like clearly, just kind of used the lizard sort of to fill in for that. I right. feel like, but um, with all like the rage and stuff. I wish it had been a little darker. Like, I wish this hadn't been Spider-Man and Craven's first encounter. Yeah. I think that would have been fun. But I, I mean, I, with these games, um, I, I'm, I'm, I liked the side missions more than I did the main story, to be yeah. perfectly honest. And honestly, the side missions had, um, I think, slightly better writing in that there are a lot of really fun um, and kind of touching moments where you're just being Spider-Man in New York City. And they're sort of yeah. utilizing that to kind of make you feel the depth of the character, the fact that he's so tied to a specific place that really exists, I think kind of feels the idea of being this guy that walks around New York city and just kind of helps people out with their regular day to day stuff is really touching. And to be honest, would kind of make a kick-ass game. And instead it's just like sort of a sidelined aspect of this game. Yeah. If the whole game had just been like friendly neighborhood Spider-Man missions where Mm -hmm. you like, uh, almost like remember how um grand theft auto games used to have like instead of you having to do all these like you would have like four different plots happening at once right like if they had done like each villain story kind of that way i think i probably would have dug this a little bit more like i'm not saying it's a bad game i'm I'm absolutely nitpicking no, i think it's, it is a it's good great. game it's 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 a fun game but yeah it's yeah. not it's not perfect but like i really like like i like the whole uh mysterio plot i thought that mm-hmm. was fun like the reveal for the like did you do all the side missions I did a lot of it. I, I did so there is a flame based uh, side mission, yes. and I did that to its completion because I read online that you should complete it uh, because it's a yeah. lead into possibly a DLC or maybe a sequel. Yeah, because yeah, the reveal that that cultist was uh, Carnage, Cletus Cassidy, yes. pre Carnage. I thought that was cool. I really, and also I really like the Wraith character. Um, even though they don't really uh, do anything with her in the comics these days, she might be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I really like the Mysterio. I like the flame. Um, did you do the drones where you're following like all the drones and downloading the data about the people? So yeah, the it's like a tie-in to the Spider-Verse movie. No, 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 not the spider bots, but you oh. with like the bird drones. No, I actually did not do all of those. Are those cool? Yeah. So what you do is as you do that one, I'll spoil it for you now because it's not a huge thing. But as you do that one, you keep find, downloading information about like this person Craven is hunting, and then the further you go, it's like what some of these people are dead. Why are Craven hunting these people? And me. Being who I am, I was like, oh, this is Craven's like chemo group, and he's trying to find them to reconnect. And that's oh, where I initially went. Wow. And then by the fifth one, by the fifth one, I'm like, oh, this is the chameleon. This is absolutely the chameleon mm. who in the comics is uh, Craven's half brother. Oh, I didn't, I did not know that. Yeah. It was like something that was introduced later, but has become, they don't do it all, anything with it a whole lot, but like it's kind of revealed at the end that uh, he, chameleon, is still active in New York City. And then also, it's kind of, I felt like it was kind of, you know, when, um, there's that guy on the crane and he's like falling and Miles rescues him and that guy injects him with like the knockout thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. So it feels like it was kind of implied that that was also Chameleon, like in disguise, helping Craven out for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure. That might be me reading into something that's not really there. Like it might have just been like, but like all the other hunters were very upfront. There wasn't like a lot of subterfuge with the hunters. Yeah, that's like the only tricky guy. So yeah. Yeah. So that I think was also Chameleon. That's my own um, little fan theory until uh my my presumption is that we will get dlc like we did last time and hopefully it's better than hey hammerhead's a robot now um because i fucking i hated that dlc so i did not think that story was good right I, I think black cat is like not a bad character or anything but like 
Just, ugh, God. Well, hey, you remember how you fought the Sinister Six? What if we followed it up with Hammerhead, a, a gangster who... Yeah, that nobody eh, cares about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Eh, I don't want that. That's very boring. I will say, though, the, the little Black Cat um, mission where... Um, where this one? was so great. That was like... It was great. That was like fulfilling the, the promise of the stuff? PS. Yeah, that was that was so much fun, and it was kind of like yeah. the first time because I didn't play uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Oh yeah, so they clearly you were like, hey, we made this portal tech. Let's bring it into this other <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah. So like when what was uh, when Mark Cerny was unveiling the PS5 and he was like, it's gonna load faster than you can believe, you dumbass or whatever. Uh, what, however he was talking to me, I, he always feels like when he comes out, he's like in charge or whatever. Playing that and realizing that like, wow, okay, we the, we truly are kind of in a next generation of games where things can load a lot quicker than uh, that it would have in the past. That felt good, and in general, I think this game does feel like a game that can only exist in this current generation. A lot of games don't feel like that. So it's good to no. play one uh, that actually does. I kind of wanted to circle back around to to Venom a little bit just to talk about because okay. I know you don't like so you don't like the character. I don't really like him either, but there's one aspect of him that I really do like and they had very little of it in this game. Um but I really like when Venom sort of talks like a baby. Um, but I don't know if you've noticed this. Yeah. So Venom is a toddler is yes. often how he was initially written. Yeah. And like, it still comes back to it a lot in the comics of him being like, I'm not smart. Like yeah. I'm trying my best. <laughs> and like Eddie Brock is like legitimately like a guy trying to lead like a toddler. And like Venom loves him like a parent, which is right. very, uh, which is something I love. But the whole, like the whole time, like we got a little bits of pieces of him being like a selfish child. Yeah. Because he, again, like, sentience is new to him. He doesn't know any better. Yeah. And I wish we'd got, apparently, like, Tony Todd said in an interview recently, and I might be uh, misquoting this, um, but he said that they only used, like, 10% of what he recorded for the game. Ah, oh, damn. So I'm curious, like, if maybe that could be DLC, because, like, you know, he you def you kill him at the end of the game, but it's Venom. You don't right. really kill him. He's not gone. Yeah. No. There's going to be some way they bring him back, and then he'll be playable in the new... I will say, one of the things I liked, first of all, Harry Osborn is Venom. Um, I'm fine with it. Like yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, it should be Eddie Brock. I don't care. No, I really don't care. I like Harry and Peter's. I really liked how they represented their relationship here. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like that. They clearly very much cared about each other because a lot of times in certain things like the Raimi films and stuff, it just feels like Harry doesn't actually care about Peter a whole lot. Just right. so much as like, I need a friend. You were there. And this very much felt like, hey, I legitimately love this person very much. Right. They're actually friends. Yes. Which made the whole story, I think, like hit harder. Um, but I really liked when he first got it, um, when he was running around in like the, the agent venom style look, yeah. uh, as a hero, I really enjoyed that. I'm like, oh cool. They tied this in, in that, in that way. Also, these games have made Mr. Negative more relevant than he ever was in the comics. And that is so weird to me. You know, honestly, that's kind of one of my favorite things that, that adapted comic book material can do is that yeah. there's so much raw material when you're adapting a comic book that someone can pick out something that's really important to them and then sort of show me why that is important. And I do feel like they did that because I was literally in the first Spider-Man game when I realized Mr. Negative was going to be like a focal point. I was bummed because I was like, I don't like this character. I don't care about this character. It, this is the only place I've ever cared about him. Yeah. And and I do now. Like, he, uh, like I feel like they found a lot of really cool stuff to do with it. Yeah. But to be honest, like the idea of the negative zone that kind of smells like 60s comic silliness, sure. like Fantastic like Four of, silliness. I don't care yeah. about, basically. That's fair. I like how there is a big redemption uh, uh, build for a lot of these characters. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of times villains are like, 
oh, I'm evil. And then because status quo is God, even if I become a good guy, I got to become a bad guy again. Right, right. And here it feels like when someone says that they are a good guy, because these games come out, you know, what was like four years ago, three years ago was mm-hmm. the last one. And that was, it feels like it, it'll stick. Like, I don't know. It wouldn't, there were some of them where I'm like, oh, I don't think this, like, I don't think Mr. Negative will be a villain if he shows up again. Right. But like, it was something, but yet on the other hand, with some of them, like if Tombstone went back to villainy, I'd be like, okay, I guess, you know, you were kind of in that gray zone a little bit. But with most of them, I'd be like, like if Mysterio became a villain again, I'd be like legitimately bummed out because right. of how hard he was working to not be that person anymore. Yeah. yeah, and I think that maybe that's the smartest thing Insomniac has done with these games is that they've clearly been thinking about it almost the same way you would think about like a trilogy of movies. And yeah. they're not even trying to, because of maybe the status of uh, Sony's relationship with Marvel, I think they're not even really thinking about doing this, you know, forever. I think that the next game will likely close up most of the threads that they've been, you know, working on. Uh, maybe a spin-off series with Miles Morales, a trilogy of games like that. But the impression you get, especially from the ending of this game, is that the next one is kind of the last one. And it's nice to kind of go back to a world where you're watching comic book characters um, like live in a story that is very finite feeling like sort of like how the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies could have turned out. I mean, they did not, they, they ended up sort of just chopping off at a certain point, but yeah, I, I really enjoy that aspect of, of these. It, it, it reminds me a lot of how the Arkham trilogy felt. Yeah. This feels more like a sequel that, uh, to the Arkham games that we will never get. You know what I mean? Right. Right. At least in in a lot of like the gameplay mechanics and uh, some of the other ways, but for the most part, it just feels like they they are the spiritual successor, even though different studios, different vibes. You know, this is yeah. way more optimistic in general, but it definitely is like these are the best video game representations we've gotten of this of these characters. Yeah, I want to talk about Craven a little bit too. Sure. So Craven is a character oh, we babe. yeah we we both like him. Um, he's kind of having a big year because he is in this game and then he is going to be i I forgot about the movie (laughs) but i feel like why should people care about this character because like i think i think a lot of people see him as like a c-tier spider-man villain mostly because of how goofy he looks in the animated series from the 90s i mean i loved him in the animated series in the 90s um him and him and calypso well me too but i I was a child once once i found out like certain animation rules like did you know spider-man can't punch human beings in the 90s cartoon whoa you can punch aliens he can punch robots but when it's a human you'll notice he like pushes them wow that's a very weird Uh, rule Right? Like, it was, it was, uh, there's like weird rules about what they could and couldn't show, uh, him doing. Like, I really like Craven as a character. I kind of always have because he's always been, um, like, I like the idea of the hunter and the idea of, like, and some writers do it differently than others, but a lot of the times when you have this character who is just like, I, I, I'm trying to prove myself that I'm the strongest, there's so many different ways you can take that. And I like the way they took it here where it was like, I need to find, not, I need to either be the strongest or, find the one thing that can kill me. And I do not think he was consistent with being like, oh, fine. Like, like when Miles has to go through all those tests just to get to the arena. Right. Or like, or like clearly he has his like dudes weakening these people before he <laughs> fights them. I was just like, all right, bud. Well, this doesn't really make you the strongest when you have them fight like 30 dudes before it's your turn. But like, also like he killed what, like four villains during the game, which I thought was wild too. Yeah. Yeah. He kills not all of the Sinister Six 
from the original game, but all he the kills half of it. Yeah, like the B tier people from the Sinister Six, basically. Because he what he kills Electro, Vulture, and Scorpion. Yeah. Um, he kills. So someone said he he kills Shocker, but I never found Shocker's stuff. Oh yeah, I don't think I did either. So that seems a little weird, but yeah. And then there was supposedly there was a dummied out trophy room where he had their uh, the heads of Vulture, Shocker, and Rhino mounted on walls. Mm-hmm. At no point do they talk about like Rhino actually dying, and since that got dummied out, I assume Rhino is still alive somewhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure they would maybe want to use him again. I do think that's like yeah. a fun aspect of the game that you're like hunting, you're trying to figure out what Craven is up to, and in the meanwhile, he's just like, and then that's the Craven's last hunt kind of nod, um, because in the story, Craven's last hunt, Craven sort of replaces Spider Man and like yeah. starts killing his villains, basically. Um, and this is their way of like kind of playing on that, but it's not because Craven doesn't really know who Spider-Man is in Spider-Man 2. No, he sort he of doesn't give a shit. Yeah. He doesn't care. He's Spider-Man's not powerful enough. Um, which is why eventually he gets fixated on Venom and it becomes this Venom versus Craven fight, which is from a gameplay perspective, I had a lot of fun with that section, sure. but you are playing as beefy, silly baby Venom. And he wins like like Craven. Craven yeah, died pretty handily. Yeah, he, he kicks the shit out of him. Um, I wish they had given him a little more variety because he only had like two special attacks. I wish there had been a little more variety with that. Mm-hmm. But I really like like the the boss fights in this are so hit or miss for me. Yeah, they're kind of long. Yes, they are because you but you can like it's nice that you can see how many health bars a person has yeah. in like the the upper left hand corner, so you can be like, okay, I got to beat this dude like twice, and then a cutscene will happen. Um, and then I feel like maybe I had leveled up a little too much at times and like some of the fights that I thought were maybe supposed to be harder just weren't. Yeah. But then by usually by like the final round, cause I think everybody, every like named boss had like at least two health bars. Usually by like that final chunk, it was a little tougher, but there were just moments where I was just like, wish this had started like lit, like the lizard boss is the one that jumps out to me when you're fighting him in the lab or like the sewer. Um, and I'm just like, well, this, I wish this had started stronger. Cause this is such an intimidating looking beast. Right. And then it's just like punch, 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 dodge, web. Wasn't a whole lot of uh, variety for me. But that said, I still think it was like fun. Like, let me put it this way. I think the boss fights might be the weakest element. Right. And they are still like solid boss fights. Yeah, I, I agree with that estimation of it. I do think that in general, comic book video games have a, a huge design problem that no one has solved yet, which is how do you make it fun for Spider-Man or Batman or whatever to fight a foe that is so large that in the comp like that it's like kind of unrealistic that he can even defeat this this monster in the comics you would watch him like cook up like an interesting way to do it right like he'd just find oh how am i gonna beat you know a giant sandman or whatever he'd have to like be creative but that's not very fun for a video game and a video game can't realistically just have spider-man punch the giant lizard until he's beaten him up. It doesn't really make sense. So instead it always becomes sort of a uh, fake out. Here's like a bunch of quick time events or like, here's like something that looks exciting to see, but isn't necessarily exciting to play. I just feel like no one has solved that yet. Kind of like God of War. Well, I will say I loved the, the sand, uh, the Sandman boss fight was my favorite boss fight. Oh, that opening, the opening chapter with Sandman is so much fun. And, really uh, good. Yeah, it reminded me of like the opening of like uh, an Uncharted or like Uncharted Two, for example, which I think has right. an. I mean, I think most people agree that's like an excellent opening. Uh, the newest Mission Impossible movie actually ripped it off for their finale. I um, heard. Yeah, I yeah. haven't seen it yet. It's very funny. 
Um, but yeah, this is like on that level of quality where it's like so much is happening. You're getting to kind of like get a vertical slice of every type of gameplay element that you're going to experience for the rest of the game. So like we're doing a lot of swinging. There's a lot of uh, combat with like smaller enemies. We're doing like aerial combat. We're doing everything in the first 10 minutes of the game. Um, and I really, you know, if you're like on the fence uh, about playing a Spider-Man game at all, I would say whenever Spider-Man 2 is, uh, you know, available for cheap, maybe you should pick it up and just try that opening chapter and see how you feel about it. And yeah. if you like it, maybe these games are uh, for you. I want to talk about the combat in general, though. Like, how do you feel it shapes up, especially compared to something like, uh, like, Ark like to me, it's the Arkham series and these games, and they're kind of like... There's kind of a head to head happening in my brain. I think the Arkham games are more forgiving with like their timing and stuff. Sure. Yeah. I, but also I think you take like, I, so like in, there were moments, you know, near the end of the game um, where I would still, I was like pretty high level. I had like all my health all the way out and I would still maybe like for whatever re reason, miss a few dodges or whatever. And I'd be dead. Like yeah. I would just get like stuck and like I get hit like four times and I die. And there were parts where I'm just like, I'm dying too quickly. Like I yeah. think you need to like I was I'm playing on normal difficulty. Right. Like I'm not playing on super easy, but I'm not playing on ultimate or whatever it's called. So I'm just like, you gotta give me a little wiggle room, like maybe like six hits or something. But like I there were definitely moments where I'm just like boom, boom. I'm like, oh, I'm dead. Right. I, I don't know how this happened so quickly. Like I like that you can heal quick if you have the combo thing be it built up. I like um, that they have simplified the amount of gadgets you have from Spider-Man 1. I right. think that's, I really appreciate that. There's less variety, so I don't feel like I'm forced to constantly be changing. But I also do like that I could, you know, mix and match strategies. So I wish, like, a few of the powers, like, I would have loved, like, the Spider-Punk electric guitar, uh, like, co like uh, area of effect attack from the first game. If that oh, came yeah. back, I would have been cool with that. But they had, like, fill-ins and stuff, so I'm really nitpicking. Um, but I thought the combat was fine. I wish it was more aerial, if that makes any sense. Yeah, because aerial looks the most impressive. Um, yeah. But you have it's, the least the, amount of options, basically. You kind of just yeah. do the same stuff over and over. I actually played very aerial-centric because, I mean, you can't get hurt while you're doing it. If you're in the air, yeah, you're so, fine. Yeah, if you punch them up, like, oh, hey, I understand that there are guys down here, but they are not sucker punching me because <laughs> I have this guy. Yeah, I played the same way. I would like, full, like, I'd punch, punch, punch. They'd get knock away. I'd swing into them, punch, yep. punch, punch, yep. knock them out. Yeah, that was basically how I handled half the fights, depending. And then I would just do like the the gadget, the web where it pulls them all close. Right. That was. And then that's... maybe do like one of the specials. Um, like I didn't use two. Like I used the the pull in one, and I used like the pulse blast gadget. I didn't use the concussion grenade a whole lot until it gets upgraded to help with symbiotes. Mm -hmm. And then I, I only used like the, the zip webbing where it would just like randomly shoot webbing at the guys when I was fighting symbiotes because it killed the annoying little green ones immediately. Right. I would say that to me, the big difference between like if, if you're listening and you're somebody that played the Arkham games, the big difference to me with those games compared to these games is that the Arkham games were like kind of more meticulous with how they built the combat system to work which is actually why boss fights in the arkham games didn't work at all because they just didn't build any of it to do that they were like we want this meticulous combat system where batman realistically fights like 20 guys and you can and it none of it is like hokey it's kind of just like no you just like gotta wait for them to punch and then you counter or whatever and they just slowly give you a tool set that makes sense. So by the end of it, the combat feels very logical. Spider-Man is more like, here's five different things and just kind of do yeah. whatever you like. And that 
it's less meticulous. It's maybe more fun if you like to goof around, though. It's got a goofy aspect. Yeah, I think there is definitely like like you can just like I like that the the pulse blast juggles the enemies up into the air, so that kind of takes care of it. It's good for crowd control. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely moments where I'm just like, God, I, like I, at one point I'm just like, I'm just gonna stealth most of these interactions. Right. Because otherwise it's going to be like the same fight. At least stealth gives me a little more variety, a little more strategy to figure things out. Just a, uh, the thing, I will say that there were moments at the beginning where it was hard for me to choose between playing Peter and Miles. Yeah. And part of me was just like, oh, I wish they'd simplified this. But I got over that pretty quickly. Like yeah. at, at the beginning, I was. It's, it's my problem with like giant open world games. I'm like, I don't know which one's the best one to tackle this with. And thankfully with most of the side missions, they're like, oh, these are Miles' side missions. And I was like, cool. Thank you for telling me. Yeah. Yeah, I like... I- yeah, they really simplify that very quickly with how like you pull up the app and it's like, do this if you want to play as Miles right now, or do this if you want to play as Spider-Man. Yeah, I yeah. I thought that there was a good back and forth of that. But yeah, generally I don't like switching characters in games because it makes me feel like I'm doing it wrong or playing suboptimally or whatever. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's why like in Grand Theft Auto, whatever, when they were like, uh, you start as one of them and then we have you swap at the beginning. And then eventually you're like, oh, you need to be this person to further the plot. And I'm like, cool. Thank you for making it like that obvious. Yeah. And they like, I would have the icons in those characters colors so that you would know, hey, this is who does these like rampages and stuff. Because otherwise, if it's just like, hey, you can be anybody and do these things. I'm like, well, then I'm never going to play as the other person. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. It, it, it feels like you're telling me the player to decide like the pacing of the game. And I don't want that much control. I, this is not Dungeons and Dragons. Like I, I just kind of want to see. How you want this story to unfold well there is there's one aspect of this game we really need to talk about it because the it's the only thing the internet wants to talk about in relation to this game and i think it'd be weird if we just didn't talk about it at all um we have to talk about the mary jane stuff in it oh the stealth stuff because it's the number one thing that people complained about so much as if it makes it seem like this is the only thing that happens in the game actually <laughs> <laughs> well there are three stealth sections it's like true. the fact that the final mission starts with one of the stealth sections legitimately annoyed me <laughs> that is, that like, is kind on. of annoying because it's like dude we're like finishing this game up and you're gonna make us go back to this that regardless of how you feel about it if you hate it if you love it or i mean actually i don't think anyone loves it but it's that type of thing where it's like yeah okay this is fine for some nice variety i don't feel like it really added anything super interesting to the game but it is funny that this is something that people really like to complain about that kind of confuses me a little bit because there's not really a lot to it it's it's kind of a lot of it's very cinematic just kind of like Hey, this this looks cool. I'm seeing this from somebody else's perspective that can't just swing around. But yeah, I mean, gameplay wise, there's it's just kind of whatever. You just get through it. I don't. It's not like hard. You just do it. It's over. Yeah, it's not hard, but it is. It, it's too long. Is my complaint? Like some it's it better is, than yeah. the first the first one where like the second you got caught, it was over. This one, That's I like. True. You have a little more wiggle room, um, and I like that you can like take people out and stuff like that. But like going through. The zoo, Craven Zoo, as yeah. Mary Jane. There was definitely a moment where I'm like, "Oh, this is still going." Yeah, that's true. It's like three, three completely distinct areas that you have to traverse, yeah. and it's like, why, why three, why that many? Yeah, it was too much. Like I really, like I say, the out of the three stealth sections, the only one I really enjoyed was the one where you were like hunting down like uh, the Venom symbiote, like possessing a sleeping Peter. Yeah. That was the only one I liked. And even then I liked that more because there was like a horror aspect to it. Cause you didn't know what the symbiote was going to do. Right. But the rest of it, I was just like, okay, well, I mean like fine. What? Okay. Well, do you know, so Good do work, you know what MJ. the, 
what the com- complaint actually is the the common complaint about this because it's very funny um what is it it's that it's that mary jane is too op that's what people are saying what? online they're like dude mary jane's too op and this is and this is such like a this is kind of people telling on themselves like type yeah. complaint because the complaint will be it's not that they feel like the sections are too long they'll be like the problem is that mary jane can can disable a guy with a stun gun and and spider-man would have to like fight that guy so she's more powerful than spider-man dude and it's like the most insane place to take the conversation what the fuck i know (laughs) I'm glad you didn't know about this. So this is everywhere. Like people like I've seen like IGN streams where they're like talking about whether they're like talking to Insomniac and they're like, do you think you guys made like Mary Jane like too powerful? Because this is like offended some men online like at how. And the other thing that people are missing, too, that is, I think, hilarious is like the Mary Jane sections are stealth sections she is catching these people off guard by surprise yeah that is the point and she's also stunning them in like their throats and stuff (laughs) you know like she is like legitimately like it's not like she's just like throwing fists she's using simkarian taser simkarian stuff specifically talk about being like the top of the line military equipment yeah yeah and i'm just like oh my god i hate (laughs) nerds i hate them She's too strong. She's sneaking up on the dudes. Like, Dude. <laughs> don't get me wrong. There's a few moments where she's just like, she's barreling at them. Right. But for the most part, it's like, fall it. Like, first you kick him in the knee to get her down on her level so she can then tase them in the fucking neck. Right. Tase any dude in the neck and surprise, man, he's going down. Meanwhile, Peter Parker, he's strong enough to stop cars and stuff. Dude pulls his punches so he doesn't kill these people. <laughs> he would rather throw more punches and make sure the dude isn't like, dead then fucking just like you don't think spider-man couldn't punch through these dudes in one fucking go he could right he just doesn't because he's not a murderer right he can't kill people so he does he tries I not have so to. much spit on my computer screen from that fucking rant. hell yeah that's what i wanted to provoke out of you i was like you need to know about this if you don't already so yeah that's that's stupid that's just a dumb way to complain about it just if you're listening and that's a way that you've framed that like we don't need to complain about mary jane being op because that doesn't even make sense it's not a fucking like moba or something like where these characters compete against each other or something like that and also like whatever she's she's sneaking around like that's the whole point um and and on in those stealth sections like like an actual complaint is that those are the only parts of the game where the fail state i think this is why people actually don't like these sections is that if you mess up, you just have to restart that section. A whole section. And you might mess up a lot. Like I never messed up once. <laughs> oh, well, see, there you go. I, I messed up in the uh in the zoo part. There was there was one point where I messed up and it and I'm not saying it reset me all the way back to the beginning, but it set me to the beginning of that section. And the thing about a stealth section is that you kind of it's one part of the game where the designer is saying, you need to do this, like almost exactly this. And if you do it wrong, then, uh-oh, now you fail-stated. In the combat sections of Spider-Man 2, you can do whatever you want. I mean, there's like a million different ways to get through any combat encounter. So it doesn't feel good for the designer to say, all right, in this section, you just have to do exactly this. And for the rest of the game, you can mix and match and express yourself or do whatever you want. So that's a real reason, I think, to complain about a stealth section in an action game is that those are kind of 
they're opposed as far as like how much they allow the player to do whatever they want. I want to ask you this because this is something that this is something that came up a lot when this game came out. Have you played a lot of Spider-Man games just in general? Have you yeah. played a majority of them? If it was released on a major console, I've played. I know that there were like some weird '90s ones, like like on like 3DO or whatever, or uh, yeah. stuff like that that I never touched. But like if it was released on the only ones I have as a kind of a dead spot, and I've played them a little bit, but not a lot, are the PlayStation Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 Enter Electro. I haven't really touched those. Right. But I think I've played every single other one that's had a major console release. So is this the best one? And how does this rank against the others, basically? I mean, traversal-wise, web-swinging-wise, for sure it's the best one. Right. Um, the introducing of the web wings is great. Yeah. I love the wind tunnels. I love the uh, way of getting around. Um, I do wish that they had kind of, like, kept your, like, upgrades from the last one, because it felt weird being like, oh, hey, you can do this now. And I was like, I could do it five <laughs> years ago. Why can I just now... <laughs> What, how did why did why did Spider-Man forget what happened here? But I don't the best one story-wise for sure not the best one mm -hmm. in my opinion. I agree with that. Like I liked the story fine, but I'm just so indifferent towards Venom. That, and they didn't do anything new with Venom. If they done like I did like so like when you fight the the people possessed by the um the symbiotes throughout in the third act, um the spiral that they have on their face. I like that they brought that in because that's a more recent thing from Donny Cates' Venom run about how that's like uh, they're being possessed by the the symbiote kind of stuff. And that's like the spiral is the symbol of like null the the symbiote god, um, yeah. which I doubt they'll get into. Right. But I think it's cool that they included that. Right. I like that that they did that. Hey, we know this part exists, so we're gonna bring it in. I liked that. Um, but for the most part, oh god, I don't know if I would have. Honestly, I probably like the first Spider-Man game more from a yeah. story aspect. Me too. Um, and but but here's the thing with all the teasers for three because it's like building up. Oh hey, it's going to be Doc Ock and Green Goblin as the main villains of three. I'm absolutely on board with that. You know, yeah. So I'm I'm excited for what the the road that this has laid. Um, but like I just feel like usually, and that's weird because in trilogies usually the second one is my favorite one. Right. And we'll see where I'm at in probably like three or four years whenever the next one comes out. But like right now, part of me is just like, yeah, this was good, but this isn't what I wanted. You know, yeah. that's me being selfish, but it is not what I personally wanted. Well, I think it could have, like, I actually, I feel pretty similarly. I will say, I think it could have been what I wanted if, yeah. if Craven was villain number one and, and Venom was villain number two. Yeah. Then I think that game I'm probably more down for if, if Venom is a, which it's hard to do Venom as a minor. It's just hard to do a Venom story in general. So what, where I thought it was going to go was like Venom was like looking for stronger people. I thought Venom was sincerely. This is what I thought was going to happen. Was I thought Venom was going to possess Craven? Oh yeah, that would be dope. And then I thought that was going to be like how it ended would be like you fighting like this Craven Venom hybrid. Um, and I thought that that would have been cool. And then they just went the the safer route, I guess. And right. that's that's fine. I understand that you don't want to disappoint. And you can, and it's hard to. You're absolutely right. It is hard to make Venom a B string villain. It, right. It's just like with the movies, with the popularity. He sold who knows how many Spider-Man comics alone in the 90s. Right. It is hard to make Venom, but I really wish that, like, like in one of the PlayStation Spider-Man games, um, they did that with Dr. Octopus and I think Carnage combining, and they did something cool there. And I wish they had done that here. I wish they'd been like, hey, here's something new. Here's a new yeah. element to canon we've introduced. And I thought that would have been cool. But also, and also I thought Venom eating Kraven's head was too much. I sincerely <laughs> was just like, come on. Come on, buddy. Yeah, I so I think that's one of the key problems with Venom as a character is that his tone, the tone that he brings to the stories 
feels like it's a little bit outside of Spider-Man's wheelhouse, and I think that's kind of just Todd McFarlane's problem, is that he's bringing something to the table that is maybe a little over the top, and it always kind of feels like a Venom is around. It's not a Spider-Man story. It's a Venom no, story. No, it's a Venom story. As far as tone goes. And I just Lethal think... Lethal protector. Yeah. And I just... Yeah, he, he is a little bit too much. I will say, though, if you do want to make me like Venom, he just has to do way more of the baby talk stuff. I actually... Well, have you have you read the like the early appearance? He's like a fucking... He's a weirdo. Yeah. He like sings show tunes while he swings around town and stuff. I love he that. He is like... He is a strange dude. And then eventually they were like, nah, he's got to be grim and gritty. And they have since worked him back to being like, I'm an alien. This is what I like. And the Venom movies, for what you can say about them, the Venom movies are very good about making Venom just like, hey, I'm just this weird alien. Yeah. So I wish, yeah, I'm hoping that that becomes more of the popular trend of being like, yeah, we can be grim and gritty, but also I am, I'm a stupid fucking sidekick. I just also murder. Right. I, I, so there's like only in, in Spider-Man two, there's one line that is the venom tone that I like, which is there's a part. Um, it's not the final battle, but it's like a kind of pre final battle meeting between the two characters. Spider-Man shows up and venom looks at him and he's been doing grim venom for most of it. And he looks at him and he goes, Oh, hi PD. He's like really sweet and excited about it. And And I, that's my favorite venom is I think venom should be, scary but as far as the energy that that comes from the character himself he's just a baby having a fun time and and he's excited yeah. to see his friends and he loves people but he also eats people and so there's like a yeah. a, a problem there but instead he, he truly l- does not know any better he yeah. is he is a he is a child who is like i'm excited to be here oh no i'm hungry i'm going to have a tantrum right Right. That is the energy you need to bring to Venom. And that's what I'm worried, because like I said, they cut, apparently Tony Todd recorded way more. And I'm curious if that's what got cut, because they were like, we have to present Venom as this like grim, dark thing. And I hope not. But I, I will say another thing I did like is that uh, the use of the, the PlayStation 5, the haptic controller. Yeah. And like you would do the Venom power-ups, it would like come through, and like you could hear it like talking through the controller. I thought that was very That cool. ruled. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that that the controller, the PlayStation 5 controller was something that they probably I think they overemphasized it a little bit when selling the console but yeah. whenever it is a factor in a game it's really like, cool. Did you play Astro's Playroom? Yes, I loved it. Love it. And that, that was that was the best use of the haptic controller by far. Yeah. So much that I just want them to make a sim like like you could just redo a lot of these ideas but like do another Astro's Playroom cuz I love the first one so much. Yeah. I don't want to complain about something I like. But it does feel like if every game that is built from the ground up just to be a PlayStation 5 game primarily decided to include as much of the haptic stuff as Astro's Playroom does, it would add a really great dimension to these games that would really just be all their own. And so when Spider-Man 2 decides to use it, it's fucking great. It doesn't always do that, though. No, it, it, there were definitely moments. I feel like the, the, the Miles Morales maybe did a, a few things with it, too. But there were definitely moments where I'm like, I noticed, like, you'd be walking as Peter, and you could, like, feel like, like, when you'd be, like, sneaking around the high school and stuff. Yeah. That was a stealth section I liked, to that be perfectly great. honest. Yeah. Like, you could feel, like, every step, like, different sides of the controller would shake. Mm-hmm. And I liked that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just excited to see what happens next. I definitely feel like this is when when you talk about like the best Spider-Man games ever. This I think will be a footnote compared to like the first one and the next one. I agree. I yeah, I think the first one is more innovative with uh with the story setup as far as uh, the first one opens with Peter working for Doc Ock as like his lab assistant and I think that is 
uh, an excellent setup for getting into a Peter Parker story. And it, obviously it's great for setting up uh, Doc Ock. Um, I do think uh, it's really good that they're set it, that they've saved Green Goblin for uh, the final game. I think yeah. that oddly enough, Green Goblin is kind of underutilized in Spider-Man adaptation stuff. Like Willem Dafoe's portrayal, I think, kind of made people nervous to like ever do it again. Yeah, because you've got to do it well. And that's why I like that Norman Osborn has been such a presence in all of this. So that when it finally does happen, presumably in the next game, um, it will feel much more powerful of being like a... Because we all, we all see it coming. Yeah. And the guy who plays Norman in this, I think, does a great job of being like both a sympathetic character and a megalomaniac at the same time. I think, I think wherever they go and grant, if they just rip off Willem Dafoe again, I'm going to be kind of annoyed. Yeah. But I think that if they do something different with it, because I mean, depending on your version of green goblin, sometimes Norman Osborn is 100. There is no divide. Norman Osborn is goblin. Goblin is Osborn. Right. And then sometimes it's like, you know, there's the good part and there's the bad part. I'm curious which way they're going to take it. Um, mm-hmm. And depending on how they take it, it could make it or break it. There's a lot of different ways to spin that character. And I do think that I, I personally like the version of Green Goblin that is sort of like the Marvel Universe version of like Lex Luthor or something where we emphasize yeah. the fact that this is a businessman who has deep pockets and resources. So like like Mayor Osborne type stuff, uh, which I mean, yeah, I thought I that was cool. Yeah. I don't necessarily want to want to see the games adapt specifically that story. But what I mean right. is like, it's part of the character that he is like the establishment. He's not just some like guy on the street. This guy is like important to the economy of New York city, basically. Um, right. And I think the original Raimi movie, which has a lot of stuff to do or whatever. I mean, like this is not a fair way to judge that movie, but it doesn't have time for that. It's just more interested in Willem Dafoe saying crazy stuff, which is awesome. But that's kind of the only version we that people know, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, there was... You gotta remember in the comics, for a long time, Norman Osborn was supporting cast of Spider-Man before it was revealed he was the Green Goblin. Like, the Green Goblin's identity was not known for, I want to say, like, 60 issues or something. It may not have been that long, but for a while. It might yeah. have only been, like, 30 for a while spider-man would fight this green goblin and then it would cut back to like some guy like putting on a suit and putting on a hat but they wouldn't show his face you had no idea who the green goblin was so when it was revealed it was norman like that was a big thing right because you had felt like oh hey this is an important character it's harry's dad yeah you know and i like that they have been like hey so we all know norman is green goblin typically i mean they may not go that route here we don't know yet but uh, so this, they've still been like, hey, so we have built up that this is an important person to Peter. Like, this is his best friend's dad. This right. is a person who has been there for like, even in the first game, Norman Osborn, while maybe short with Peter at times, is still always very nice to Peter Parker. Right. right. And I think that when the reveal, the villainy here, if it happens in whatever form it may happen, is going to be not as impactful as that initial reveal for sure. But it's still going to be like, man, this sucks because Norman clearly cared about Peter. Right. So I'm excited. I'm excited for how they do that. Cause I think the storytelling, while I may not have enjoyed the story of this one as much, I think the storytelling is still very good for a video game. Oh yeah. I, uh, the voice actors all do a really good job. Yeah. Um, there's no one that I would call out as being like bad. I actually think that again, it's like that. It is getting to a point where insomniac is, I think on that, regardless of how you feel about the studio, but th- they are in the same world as like the naughty dog level of storytelling, like, or however good or bad that may be. Um, it is <laughs> absolutely an imitation of uh, prestige television. Um, it is not. I'm fine the, with that. Yeah. And that's, you know, for a comic book, that's great, actually. I think that's yeah. a high level 
a high bar for for that to clear and it does it uh, it does it very well but yeah i think you're 100 percent right in saying the next game will be a lot more interesting um i'm curious about the wolverine game do you have are, are there any stories they could adapt that you would be really excited about for that oh god um it depends on how heavy of an x-men presence they have see i love that you say that because here's i want to say something real quick about wolverine yeah. we have a Culturally, we have a fascination with Wolverine as a solo character, and that yeah. is not the way that I like him. No, absolutely not. He's great on a team. I prefer him on a team. I think it is best when he is like, because I don't know if you know this, but reading Wolverine solo books are such a fucking bummer. Yeah. Like, it is always just him being like, well, I was happy, and then someone <laughs> killed my happiness, so now I got to kill them and get drunk about it. And that's just the same story uh, forever, ad yeah. infinitum. I prefer him in a team. I like it better when he has, like, Colossus and Nightcrawler, like, yep. his, like, legitimate best friends his to buddies. rub off of. In the comics right now, he's having this, like, uh, beef with Beast. Beast is becoming, like, super evil in the comics these days. I don't know if you know this. I did not know that. But Beast is becoming legitimately, like, a bad, like, hey, maybe eugenics is fine kind of guy. <laughs> and it is, it is... It makes perfect sense for the character, I'll say that, but it is like, and him and Wolverine are kind of in like this almost CIA, like FBI Cold War between each other that is kind of fascinating. And they fucking hate each other. Um, but like, if I had to choose a solo, I guess is they're going to do Japan because they always do Japan when they do yeah, Wolverine stuff. And that I think is another played out one. But if they do it well, like I like Silver Samurai as a villain, if they bring some other ones in. But if I, or if they're, they're, or they're going to do a Weapon X origin. And if they do that, that's boring. I don't want that. That is boring. Um, what I would like them to adapt, if I had my choice, was there was this story Jason Aaron wrote like a decade and some change ago about how there was this new group trying to kill Wolverine. And it started in Wolverine Goes to Hell. What they did was they had a demon possess Wolverine's body <laughs> and basically uh, like start attacking people and ruining Wolverine's goodwill. And I don't think they need to adapt this part. Right. But then what had happened was Wolverine, after he got his body back, um, was like hunting down the people involved. And he had to fight this, this group of assassins that they had uh, hired and trained specifically to kill Wolverine. And at the end, it's revealed that one, that group is only made up of family members of people that Wolverine had killed. Oh shit. Okay. So, it's so they are like actively trying to get their revenge and right. the way they get the revenge, they, so they all kill themselves. They're like, we are not going to win this. We know they're not going to win this because the reveal was that the assassins, like the specially trained assassins he had been fighting and killing, trying to get to them. They were all his children that he did not know he had. Oh my God. This is. So he had killed like six of his children trying to get to these people and like they're like you killed our family now you've also killed your family wow so it's like old boy this is like old kind of yeah a little bit <laughs> yes 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 and it is it is it's a great story it also has one of my favorite last issues was like wolverine clearly beating himself up about the whole thing but he goes he, and he takes every single one of the assassins he takes them back to where their like parents were so that they can be buried with their family and it is like him like waxing about how like i don't think i have much more of this in me Wow. And like, of course, they're going to be saying that forever because it's Wolverine. But the way they do it, I, I really liked. And I hope that, that if I had a choice of what arc to adapt, it would be that one. Yeah, I've never heard of that before. And that is truly wild. Um, I feel like that's maybe too wild for the first entry. Yeah, it's way too much for a video game, for sure. <laughs> But I maybe I, if Telltale did it, but if you're doing it with, but if you're looking for, I think it was Jason Aaron's run. I think it, it starts with Wolverine Goes to Hell, yeah, and then I think it was like the next 21 issues after that. And it's uh, like Jay, like, but also if I if I wanted something happier, I would adapt just straight up uh, Wolverine and the X Men, yeah, when uh, he was in charge of the Xavier School, 
and he was just like the teacher and he would just go on adventures with all these teens basically and be like we're gonna learn stuff in the field but also we're gonna fight supervillains that's what i would adapt i would want a welcome everyone wants a grimdark wolverine give me a happy go lucky yeah. wolverine with like glob herman and eye boy hanging out you know what i mean i love that yeah no the idea of of substitute teacher uh wolverine or of just well of teacher of professor wolverine or whatever i think is a fun dynamic for the character i also think that the original purpose of wolverine is to be a foil to cyclops and and right. where they're friends but they're also rivals and i and think maybe it, lovers now i don't know if you maybe, know this well i i know that there's been a lot of sex happening between Wolverine and various other people on yeah. on uh, uh, men and women. He's a bisexual yeah. character, um, an icon, an I we bisexual stand a icon. Yeah. <laughs> but I do feel like it's weird that the character served a narrative purpose that, and it, it he did it for a long time. That was the whole point. And then you know, and then the character grew out from there and and did a lot of other things. And the the adapted properties have really de-emphasized that aspect of the character and i think it would be good to kind of go back to that um because i it it would help establish like what is this character for the larger audience and then from right. there it might make sense to go to the grim dark because i think right now when people think of wolverine they only think of of the grim dark aspect of the character but that's yeah like and i'm not, tired of that yeah and that's not what he and is. If you're gonna, but if you're going to do that, do it at least in an interesting way. Because I think like the same Wolverine stories over and over again are just like, I don't want this. Yeah. Um, like even if you're going to do Grim Dark, do it with a team. Do like Uncanny X-Force or something. Yeah. Where he's like, where he's the black op hit squad for, for the X-Men. Right. I think that would be more interesting. Because then you could also bring in like villains that aren't necessarily covered a much. I'm like, oh, he's going to have a boss fight with Sabretooth. Okay, cool. It's the same dude who does the same thing. What right. a fun way yeah. to mix it up, boys. Yeah, let's mix it up. Um, yeah, okay, well, that's good. And I'm sure if anybody from Insomniac is listening, hopefully <laughs> that, that gives you a lot to think about. I mean, I think they're pro they're probably like over a year into development at this point, so there's no going back. But, you know, whatever. No. Listen to our idea. Do yeah. we have a release date for that? Do they even have a year for when that's supposed to come out? I don't think so. But, it, you know, the fact that they have announced it a while... Like, a even, teaser. Yeah, there was a teaser. Last, last in 2022? I think so. It might it it might be that old, so that's you know. Hopefully, they did not tease something that they had just started working on. So hopefully, that means we're getting it in a little bit. Knowing the game industry, they could have. They might have. Yeah, I'm still nothing. waiting for Metroid Prime Four. So <laughs> made by made by Retro Studios. All right, I'm curious. Before we go, before we close it up, I want to know. Um, it's the end of the year. It's uh, the Game Awards has actually already happened as of release of recording. The Game okay. Awards is happening this week. Um, I, I rushed the stage again this year. Yeah, you just did it. Uh, I, I had to get up there. <laughs> you had to get up there and say your Bill Clinton Talking about thing. Bill Clinton's or... <laughs> rabbi. <laughs> A lot of people don't know, but that was you. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, that was me. I wish I had that kid's hair. <laughs> One thing else I want to get from you real quick is, uh, do you have anything you want to plug as far as like where can people find you? Where can that? Where can they follow? Give you follows and stuff? For sure. Um, I'm on most socials at uh, a Jamie Carbone um, or on Blue Sky. I'm just Jamie Carbone. And then I but I never use Blue Sky. And then if you live in the Pacific Northwest, I run a uh, showcase and open mic called Hear You Loud and Queer. Follow us on Instagram at if you just type in Hear You Loud and Queer, it'll come up. I don't know the we just changed it and I don't remember what the new ad is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we do uh, open mic at the beginning of the month and then we do two showcases later in the month at various spots. We're all around the Pacific Northwest. We'd love to have you come out, especially if you're looking for queer representation in your comedy. Hell yeah. I'm curious, 
what for you was the big 2023 game? Like, what would you highlight if you could just highlight one game? Oh God. Um, so I'm still working pretty heavily on a backlog of like things from the last few years. So Mm -hmm. I didn't play a whole lot that came out this year, but if I had to, I would probably say super Mario wonder was my favorite game. of Yeah. Well, see, there you go. That's Um, a priority game because that hasn't even been out for that long. And you may you were like, I got to play that. Well, it came out the same day as Spider-Man. But then I but then I went to a festival in Texas or something. And I was like, I'm going to bring my switch with me. So the whole time I just played Super Mario Wonder instead of making connections. And (laughs) the main reason you go to a festival, I'm just going to chill in my hotel room. Yeah, I'm not going to make friends. Instead, I just paid all this money to do like Uh, shitty spots and then play Super Mario. uh, Eddie Pepitone, you gave me one of the nicest compliments I've ever received. Cool. I'm going to go back to my hotel room and be (laughs) Luigi. Oh, you didn't hang out all night with Eddie Pepitone? I actually did, but that's not that's not funny. I, I I hung out with Eddie Pepitone one time after he had bombed in at, at a show, and that was really oh, for fun. Real. He was he yeah. Was, he seems like he doesn't give a shit if he bombs. Yeah, he he really did not. It didn't affect him at all. He was just having a nice time hanging out with a bunch of comics, and and yeah, it was it was a fun night. He came off very cool to me for that. He was cool. He was cool to everybody, which was very nice. But I will say on this because it was this fest and uh, it was Altercation Comedy Fest, which is a great fest. Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of fun. It was I appreciate that they put me on. Uh, a show where Eddie Pepitone could see me and then compliment my comedy, which made me feel amazing. Um, but uh, the first night he's there, he's dressed exactly like Big Smoke from Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. <laughs> and I was just like, I can't with this man tonight. Like, he was like, big green shirt, glasses, like, fucking, uh, what do you call him? Uh, bowler hat. Bowler hat, I yeah. was just like, come come on, buddy. This what are ridiculous. you doing? ridiculous. I, I just, I just, oh god! Like if he had said, "I just want you," you just had to follow the damn train. I would have lost my <laughs> fucking mind. Old Gamers Almanac is produced by Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson, with music by Knight Corey. If you liked our little show, consider giving us a five-star rating or heading over to Patreon.com/slash Old Gamers Almanac. Yeah.